Yes, welcome back to Home Studio Q&A here on Studio Live today for yet another week. This is our live show all about home studio, home recording, mobile recording, iPhones, iPads, DAWs and everything in between. If it's your first time here, my name is Pete and as I mentioned, this is Studio Live today. My goal here is to help you create, record and release your best music regardless of what you're using. The platforms are agnostic here. We don't care what you're using. The key is to create, record and release music. Coming up on the show today, got a bunch of your questions from through the week that have been dropped on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and all the other places. And of course, we have the folks here live. So if you are here live and you have a question, please put the word question in front of your question and then ask your question and I'll stop saying the word question. Thank you for all the folks who are here live and uh, please jump on in as we go. But every week I do start with a feature topic and this week, this may be preaching to the converted somewhat, but I wanted to talk about using an iPhone or an iPad to create music. Now, I use almost exclusively my iPhone and iPad these days, and the main reasons for that, I thought I would take you through the why, the what, and the how of mobile creating. Because if you have only ever created on a PC or a Mac, and you've never actually explored the, the joy that is iPhone and iPad, I want to tell you a little bit about why I use it. And again, as I mentioned up the front, uh, no judgment here. If, you, if this is not for you, this is not for you. But uh, the why. So the main reason that I love being on the iPhone and iPad for recording is it is portable. I can take it with me wherever I go. So I record on my iPad, which you can't see, but is sitting here. And then if I want it, so at the moment I'm working on a mix, I've got to do some mixing and I'm going to go for a walk after this show and what I can do is I can just transfer my project from my iPad to my iPhone and then go out, do my mixing, do what I need to do, come home, transfer it back from my iPhone to my iPad and that's all done through iCloud automatically. So portability is definitely the number one thing. In terms of power, I tell you what, my iPhone and my iPad have about as much grunt as my laptop at the moment. So with modern mobile devices, you're not really suffering. There once was a time where you would say, you can't make a song on a mobile phone. It doesn't have enough RAM. It doesn't have enough processor. It doesn't have enough storage. Uh, yeah, I've got 256 gigabytes on this. I've only got a 128 SSD in my, uh, in my laptop. So I've actually got more storage space on my iPhone than I do on uh, my laptop. So go figure with that. Um, and the cool thing is you may already have one. So this is the thing. We're seeing a lot of folks getting into iPhone and iPad at the moment for their recording because they've got one. So instead of having to go, and look, yes, you, you may already have a PC or a Mac or a, or a laptop, so I know that's not huge, but you've kind of got everything you need to right here on this one device to, to get yourself started. So you might already have it. And if you do already have gear, most of it is going to be compatible with your iPhone or iPad. So I've mentioned this before. I know the regulars are saying, Pete, we know. But this is the Lightning to USB 3 adapter from Apple. With this sucker, you can plug in pretty much any USB gear into your iPhone or iPad and record with it, whether it's an audio interface, a mixer, a microphone, a MIDI keyboard, a typing keyboard, anything at all. So that's the why. What about the what? What do you actually need in terms of an iPhone or iPad? Well, anything reasonably modern is my recommendation. And by reasonably, you could go back quite a way because anything from the iPhone 6S, the iPad Air 2, the iPad Mini 4, or any iPad Pro will run iOS 13. Therefore, will run all the latest music creation apps. So in terms of what you need, 
I would go with whatever your budget provides. So I've got an iPhone 6S, which I still use, which is great. I've got an iPad Air 2 that I still use, which is great. My iPhone 10S obviously crushes it because it's got a very fast processor and lots of RAM. So yeah, go with what you can afford if you're in the market. And if you do want to check out all of my recommendations, I've actually got two web pages over at studiolivetoday.com slash iPhone and studiolivetoday.com slash iPad. And over there, you'll find my free guide where I have links to all the different models. And I've got a handy dandy chart there. You don't have to log in. You don't have to give an email address. You don't have to do any of that. It's all free. Just go there, download the PDF documents because they're super handy. It's got every single iPhone and iPad ever released and all of the specs. So what is a Lightning or USB-C? Uh, how much RAM does it have? What's the processor power? What's the storage capacity, the minimum to the maximum? And even what the estimated price is for the ones that are, that are new what is the current price. So that is the what. And what about the how? Well, again, for those that have been on this channel before, you know that I'm a big GarageBand fan for a lot of reasons. Number one is that it's 100% free. It comes on your iPhone or your iPad, so it's already there. And as I mentioned before, we've seen this kind of explosion in about the last sort of three months. And yes, it is aligned with the fact that people are at home a lot more, but we've seen a lot more people mobile creating and we've seen a heap more people getting into GarageBand because it is free and it's that entry level way to get in. But the sky's actually the limits after that because there are so many different music creation apps. If you go to the Facebook group, iPad Musician, you'll find that there are so many people there sharing so many different apps and plugins and, and other things that you can use to create music on your mobile device. So there it is. Why should you do it? It's portable, it's powerful. You may already have one. What do you need? Well, anything that runs iOS 13 is my recommendation. If you do have an older device, you might still get some value out of it. It's not completely gone. It just may not run all the apps you want. And how? Start with GarageBand, move up from there. There you go. If you've never created on a mobile device before, hopefully that gives you some ideas, some fuel for thought. And if you've got any questions, comments, or suggestions, please drop them in the comments below of this one or get in touch. Head over to studiolivetoday.com for all the ways you can catch up with me. <coughs> Excuse me. The joy of live of live shows is that uh, when, when you need to clear your throat, you need to do it. Otherwise, I'll be talking like this for the next 25 minutes, and that doesn't help anyone. Let's dive in and get into some of the questions from the week. Once again, if you're here live and you've got a question, just throw it in the chat here and put question in front of it, and we will get to that one. So let's pop up on the screen here my first question. So this one comes from Karunika, says, thank you for the video, very helpful. One question, I need the MP3 from the Google Drive to use on a video editor app. However, the app only allows me to use iTunes. So is there any way to get it on iTunes or a video app which allows me to use music from any app? So this is a pretty common problem with older apps. So whether it's video editors or audio editors or other applications, that they only let you use audio and, and media files from your own music collection or from iTunes. The solution for this is to basically use a newer app. So the, the apps I use for video editing, if you want something free that's a good video editor, you really can't go wrong with iMovie. And with iMovie now, the latest version, you can import directly from your files. You can import directly from pretty much any location on your iPhone or iPad. 
So if you save out an audio file, save a WAV file or an M4A file from GarageBand, you can go to iMovie and bring that audio file into iMovie and add it to your video. If you want to take a step up with a video app for mobile creation, LumaFusion is my recommendation. It supports any sort of media you can throw at it. You can import it from literally anywhere in your iPhone or iPad, and it is a powerful editor. You've got six tracks of audio, six tracks of video, a bunch of transitions and effects. And uh, if you've ever watched a video here on Studio Live today, it's been edited with LumaFusion. I like it that much, and I edit on my iPhone XS. So if you've watched any of my tutorials, they've been edited in LumaFusion. So hopefully that gives you some ideas there, Karanika, uh, for what you can do if you do want to edit some videos on your iPhone or your iPad. Let's move on. I think I've just flicked to the exact same question. So I'm gonna to flick to the next one. <laughs> question here. Now I did a video on the Lexus Audio Editor, which is a free audio editor for iPhone and iPad and also for Android. So it's one of the few apps that I've reviewed that there's an Android version for too. So all of you, for, and I know there's a lot of you that use an iPad, but use an Android phone, which is totally cool. So this might be a good way to combine your audio from your phone with your iPad or your, your iPhone. And I use a PC and then an iPhone and an iPad. So you don't have to be in one world or the other. Anyway, uh, question here, is there any way you can import audio from videos? So this question comes up quite a lot where people want to get a video and hopefully it's a video that they created or that they own the copyright or the intellectual property for um, and they want to actually extract the audio. Now the best way and in fact the way that I use is a little app called Audio Share. Now, if you're not familiar with Audio Share, uh, where have you been? It's a great app. No, what, if you're not familiar, it's an app that costs, I think, $3.99 US, and it's $5.99 here in Australia that I paid for it. And it does everything. It's like a Swiss Army knife for your audio. So it does a few things. It's an audio recorder. So it's a high quality stereo audio recorder, which can be really handy, especially for long form audio. GarageBand does an okay job, but say you wanted to record a two hour lecture or something like that. I would just throw audio share on there. It's, it's reliable, it just works. Uh, and then it's an audio converter, so you can convert your different files to different things, and that's what we're talking about here. Uh, and it does a Wi-Fi drive, and it does audio copying and sharing, and a bunch of cool stuff. But what you can do is if you import a video file, you can then convert it directly to audio. And in fact, this very show, all I do to get the audio, it's a bit of a cheat, I'm sorry to lift the curtain here. I don't do a whole bunch of mixing and post-processing. I take the live audio feed from this, well, the live video feed, I download that, I throw that into Audio Share, I extract out the audio using Audio Share, I then normalize it, I convert it to M4A, so convert it to a, a streaming media format, I upload it to Anchor, the podcast is out. So you might be saying, Pete, how is it so hard for you to get the podcast down on time when it's that easy? And I would say, I don't know, but that is what we do. So uh, hopefully that helped you out. I uh, can't really do that with Lexus Audio Editor with video, but Audio Share is the app that I would recommend for that one. Uh, we'll continue on here from a uh, question here from lovely Joanne. And this was in relation to connecting multiple USB devices. Uh, it says, can I please connect, uh, pl hi Pete, please help. Can I connect an AT2020 USB plus to a V8 Live Sound Card or F8 Live Sound Card? Now, not knowing what the V8 or the F8 live sound cards are, uh, but being able to answer this generically, which is that USB microphones and USB audio interfaces do not play nicely together. So if you, you basically need to go one or the other. So if you've got a USB microphone, 
What that does is it plugs in directly via USB and it creates, it has a built-in audio interface. So it creates the audio input and output that you'll be then using. So you plug a pair of headphones into your microphone. They've, they've usually, the good ones, have a microphone jack. You plug your microphone into the, start again. You plug your headphones into the microphone. That becomes your audio output into your headphones. And then the microphone becomes the audio input. Now, if you try to then connect to an audio interface or connect up an interface as well, well, that confuses things. Now, on a Mac or a PC, there is a way to do what's called summing your devices. So you could have two USB microphones or an interface and a microphone and sum them down using software into one stereo signal. That's a little bit higher end and that's not supported with your iPhone or iPad. So if you are using a Mac or a PC, you can try that. My advice, though, is to keep it simple. I'm all about the simple stuff. And that is if you want one channel of audio. So let's say you're doing live streaming and all you want is your voice and all you need to do is be able to monitor the audio, use a USB microphone, you're totally cool. As soon as you want to go to two sources, USB microphones basically become not useless but are not the right option. It's not the right tool for the job. It's like grabbing a spanner and trying to whack a nail in. It'll work eventually, but you're going to get a very sore hand. That analogy broke down about halfway through, but you get my gist here. So short answer here, if you're using a USB mic, you can use it with USB. As soon as you want to go to a mixer or an audio interface, you'll need to invest in some XLR microphones that just plug in using your regular cables. Hopefully that helps you and others out. An interesting question here from John Ackerman says, I have a fast track pro that uses an AC adapter for power, but when I try connecting it to my iPhone 8 using the USB to lightning adapter, I get a message saying that the accessory requires too much power and can't be used. So somehow the iPhone still thinks it needs to power my interface. Any insights? So this is an interesting one and I, I haven't done a lot of testing with this, but I have come across similar problems and I haven't asked John this yet, but you know the question. People playing along at home, those that have watched this show a few times, my first question is going to be, do you have the Apple Genuine Lightning to USB 3 adapter? The reason I ask that is that I have had similar problems where using a third-party adapter, it gives me that power error, even though what I'm using requires no power. I've had that error when I've been connecting a powered USB hub and plugging in like a keyboard dongle. Like that, that's, that's how strange this sort of thing is. So that would be my first thing is anytime I hear power issue USB iPhone, iPad, my first question is, are you using a genuine Apple Lightning to USB adapter? Now, someone uh, in a comment of another video this morning said to me, oh, don't, don't, don't fall for this. It's a scam. Uh, it's a ripoff. Don't buy the genuine stuff. Uh, the, the third party stuff works fine. If there is a third party one that works fine, I will be the first in line to buy three of them and to recommend everyone else buys them. However, from my experience, from the experience of everyone that I've spoken to and that everyone that uses audio interfaces and MIDI keyboards and microphones on a regular basis, they all say the same thing. Save yourself the hassle, get the Lightning to USB 3 adapter, and pretty much all of your problems would be solved. I haven't had anything pop up saying power with the USB 3 adapter, regardless of what I'm using. The only time is if I need to plug the Lightning port into some additional power. Then it might say uses too much power. And then all I do is plug the lightning port into an AC socket or into a portable battery. And Bob is my uncle. He's not, but uh, if he was, he would be. Alrighty, let us continue on here. One more question and then we'll jump over and say g'day to the wonderful folks that are here live. Uh, VK says, I'm late. 
No, there's no such thing as late. It's the internet. Everything's on a constant replay. Uh, I'm late, but can you reply to my question? Yes, I can. In fact, I already have, but I'll do it again now. I'm buying a third-party one, but it says it only supports 100 milliamp. Is that enough to power a USB mic? If not, can I connect a lightning cord? So, yeah, I would be air on the side of caution with the third-party anything. I didn't realize I had these two questions back-to-back, -back, but what you can basically do is rewind about three minutes and then listen to that rant about third-party adapters and things. Uh, if you're referring to uh, USB-powered hubs, then making sure that you have one. The, the cheaper ones usually are the ones that are going to crap out on you, that are not going to have enough power, and 100 milliamp doesn't sound like it's going to do the job. Um, so yeah, I, I would look around and I haven't actually looked at the link there. I should have done that. I should have done due diligence and actually looked at the link when I was answering the question. Uh, but yeah, you do get what you pay for and the very low end stuff that you pick up on Amazon and eBay often will work-ish, sometimes a bit occasionally. So yeah, you don't have to buy the most expensive gear as well, but in some cases you do need to spend a little bit extra to get something that's going to be reliable. Really depends on your level of experimentation. It's the same reason that I don't use, people say, oh, you're totally into your iPhone and iPad. You must uh, you must download all the, the developer and the public beta of all the different iOS versions and put them on your stuff. And I say, no, I don't, um, because I, I'm I'm not into the experimental stuff. I'm not into knowing. I'm, I'm not bleeding edge. I'm middle of the road. I like to let other people do the bleeding edge stuff, and then I come in at the consumer level, because I know you folks want to know what you can do right now. You might be interested in the features coming up, so you and I can watch the other people and watch the videos about the new features and the new iOS versions, but when it comes to actually getting stuff done, I don't want to... So I don't want to have to worry about the technology and the hardware getting in the way. I just want it to work. And some may say, why do you use iPhones and iPads if you want it just to work? And yes, nothing's perfect. There's always going to be some bugs. All righty. Uh, once again, hello to the folks who are here live. We'll see. We do have some questions dropping in here. So I will jump on to those. By the way, hello to Sion, Metallion58. I've got DVG, Next Song for God, Gino Therese is here, SM Borthwick, Surfing Cat, Benedict Stewart Music, and a bunch of people that I've probably missed that we will get to as we go. But we do have a question Oh, from Just Because. Hello to you. Uh, do you have a question here from... Uh, from a, a GK Entertainment Australia says Mod novice recorder having an issue with latency when recording to GB on iPad using my TC Helicon Telecon Voice Live three as the audio interface thoughts right so there's a couple of thoughts that come straight away the first thing I would check on GarageBand so it's it's usually fixed in most cases but these days but there's a few things you can do within GarageBand itself to actually reduce the latency. And it, a lot of it comes down to which actual, um, oh, I've got it up on the screen, don't I? I could actually show you live. Uh, let, let's bring it up on the screen here and take a look. I, didn't, I, I forgot that I had my iPhone. <laughs> I was just scrolling through here and I'm like, oh, I could actually show you this. That might be good. So in the audio recorder here, you'd probably be aware that when you plug in an interface, you will go in, you'll go to more sounds and you'll select which of these presets you're going to want to actually use. Now, if you're like most people, you'll probably go, hey, lead vocals, sounds good. Let's tap on lead vocals. And then you'll, yeah, I'm using airplay here. And then you'll come into here. Now, here's the key thing. 
the more plugins you have here, the more likely you, ha you are to have latency. So I, I do sing through at least the voice hall, like have a little bit of the reverb there. Maybe I'll dial in a little bit of drive like that just to get the vocals sounding good. But the one thing you want to avoid is never turn on the pitch control while you're singing. If you turn on pitch control while you're singing, you will instantly double the latency. You'll go out to about half a second latency just with that one plugin. So that's sort of the main tip is check the plugins. So check the software side of it. We hear within GarageBand and make sure that that's all hunky-dory. As far as the actual hardware goes, I'm not actually familiar. I've not ever used the uh, the TC Helicon Voice Live, so I'm not sure if that has uh, if it, that has particularly high latency or how it actually works. Uh, it is a little bit of trial and error. The reason I keep sticking back with Steinberg and that I've been using lately, I've been using the the iRig Pro IO is that they are designed for iOS use. So you know that they're going to be built to be driverless. You know that they're going to be built in with pretty low latency. So uh, give that a go. But uh, yeah, if, if you do have any troubles with it or you want uh, further information, uh, the GarageBand Users Facebook group, I highly recommend if you jump on over there, uh, you will get some great uh, information if you've got questions such as that one. Alrighty, uh, let's see, I think we had some other questions here. JNR Robinson, hello to you. Uh, issue with transferring a music file from iPhone to iPad via email. So yeah, let's, let's talk briefly about this because there's a few tips that I have with this one and I've covered these in some videos that I've done here on the channel. So if you search uh, Pete John's Zip or Pete John's Google Drive, you'll find some of my solutions here. So here's the problem. Um, first of all, if you're transferring the project file, like a, a GarageBand project or a proprietary project file, you want to make sure you zip it up because a lot of file systems won't be compatible. So you will try and email it, you'll try and send it somewhere and it will just corrupt the file. It won't work at all. If it's a WAV file or an MP3 or an M4A file and you're still having trouble, it's usually due to file size limitations within either your email system or the email system you're sending to. Now, if you're sending anything but a low quality MP3, so any WAV file, any full resolution audio file is going to be so big that it's not gonna fit in with, within that restraint. So a couple of ways to do it. If you use iCloud as your uh, email provider, they have their own built-in service where you send something, instead of sending the file, it uploads it to iCloud and it sends a link to that. Same with Google Drive, that'll often do the same sort of thing, Google, like through Gmail. But what I like to do is have complete control over it. So I'll use either Dropbox, or Google Drive, and I'll simply upload that file to Google Drive or Dropbox, turn on link sharing, so you just tap it or click it and go get link, get shareable link, and then send the person that link. And this is what a lot of folks do if they need to email me something or if I'm working with a client on a project, they'll send me their tracks, they'll send me their audio files, it'll usually be over Dropbox or Google Drive. And then you can simply email the person the link. And then instead of actually transferring the file over email, all you're doing is transferring that one link and then you can upload it, they go to that link, they download the file, everyone's happy. So hopefully that helps you with that one. Alrighty, uh, continuing on here, Metallion58, hello to you, says, uh, uh, I use an iPad and thinking of switching from Samsung to iPhone SE to work on the go. I, the new iPhone SE, let's, let's just talk about this for a quick minute. If you are an iOS user and you are considering your next phone, the iPhone SE 2, I'm, I am legitimately considering, I've mentioned this before, I'm legitimately considering upgrading or up downgrading, I guess it would be, from my iPhone XS to an iPhone SE 2 because it just, it, it's got the, the um, A13 Bionic processor, so it's a faster processor than this. It's got 
the same amount of RAM as this, and it's got a 16 by 9 screen, which I know you might think that's not important, but I really dislike this screen size. It is too long. I don't like the notch, and I don't like the rounded corners. There's actually nothing I like. It's like the OLED, like the niceness of the display. Yes, it looks pretty, but I would go back to a standard LCD in a second if it could not have the notch, if it could have the button, and if it could be 16 by 9. And you know what? That's exactly what the iPhone SE 2 has. So I'm very, very tempted, I must tell you. Plus, it costs a lot less. I might even, if I sold this one, this is a 256 gigabyte iPhone XS. If I sold that, I might get enough money to buy myself a decent iPhone SE 2. Never know. Worth, worth considering. All righty. Let's us move on. Oh, uh, I'll just see if we've got any other live questions and then we will continue with this. We do have a question here from, let's just read this. <laughs> Everybody is really good. One day I'm going to just say, oh, here's a question. I'm going to click it up and it's going to go, why do you suck so much? And I'm going to be like, oopsie, I should probably read the question before I click the button. Anyway, this is a sensible question from Rich Martin. Uh, question, I've created a slideshow in iMovie on iPad, which includes audio from a song I created in GarageBand on my iPad. And how can I share this on Facebook? Will it need conversion of some kind? Uh, no. So the beauty part is, and I do this all the time, uh, when, I'm sh when I want to share something from my iPhone or iPad with my GarageBand music, I've actually got videos. In fact, if you search Pete John's uh, what is it? Pete John's iMovie YouTube. There's a video that I've done, uh, which is, I, I can't share it on the screen because I've got my phone back up there now. Uh, but if you say Pete John's iPhone, uh, what did I say? Pete John's <laughs> iMovie YouTube, there is a complete tutorial that I've done, which shows you exactly how to do this. So it's as simple as exporting it, export it at the highest quality you can. So MP4 1080p in the export settings, that will create a video file, save it to your camera roll. So when you export, just save it to your camera roll. It'll sit there in your photos. Then go open the YouTube app, hit upload, select that file, let it upload. It'll process it and do it, all of its conversion behind the scenes. And then you'll be good to go. You said Facebook though. So Facebook is actually the same thing. It's actually easier. So with Facebook, all you need to do is go to your Facebook page and tap on photo but photo can actually also be video. So I actually did this just yesterday. So I, I shared with, in some of the groups that I'm part of a song that I've just been working on. And I literally screen recorded my iPad. I then chopped it down, edited it in, actually I used LumaFusion, but you can use iMovie, saved out that video file, and then uploaded it directly to Facebook just by going to the Facebook app, tapping on photos and uploading my video that way. So hopefully that helped you out. Uh, oh, thank you. You're welcome. So this was a question we asked uh, that GK Entertainment had about latency. So yeah, definitely let me know how you go. But uh, yeah, that pitch correction one, I've done it before. It took me a long time. I used to not use lead vocals. I'd switch to punchy presence for my vocals because I thought lead vocals had latency. And then I realized it is just the pitch control. And it's so tempting. It's just sitting there and you're like, I'll just give myself a little bit of pitch control. I can't, what can it hurt? Well, it does hurt because you, you can't sing in time because of the latency. Uh, Ralph Smith, hello to you and to everyone. Good to have you on board here. And Ethan Bybee, good to have you here as well. Uh, random question. I'll make sure I've read this one before I click it. Right. Random question here from Vianza Vega. Uh, says, but do you know of any artists who've released music they've created solely through recording on GarageBand? So apart from 
me and a lot of other people that I know that have uh, have recorded. Yeah, so plenty of artists have. It depends on what level of artist and popularity. So the one that people sort of point to and say he it can be done is uh, Steve Lacey. So he's very famous for creating a lot of music just on his iPhone and plugging in his guitar and recording some very, very cool tunes just on his iPhone. The thing is, you probably wouldn't know. So I've kind of, I kind of live two lives. I live this double life that I share my music with people who just like music. And I don't even mention how I create music. So there are people that will, will listen to my songs and listen to my music and have no idea that I create most of it on my iPhone and iPad. And I think it's kind of the same. Like these days, most music is created digitally. Most music is created on computers. And less and less is being created in big million dollar studios with Pro Tools HD rigs. More and more is being created on laptops, in FL Studio, in GarageBand, in Logic, in Reaper, in whatever. So yeah, uh, short answer is yes. And I, a lot of the artists, obviously, that I hang out with in various forums, in the GarageBand users Facebook group, uh, in other places, they all create. People are creating whole albums, EPs and songs just using their iPhone or iPad. A uh, question here from Isaiah Vasquez says, can I connect old MIDI gear using a Scarlett 4i4 to an iPad or iPhone? Now, I've got to try and remember if the Scarlett 4i4 has MIDI input. If it does, then yes. So I have, yes, I know we've lasted, how long have we lasted? 25 minutes and Pete hasn't shown his favorite interface. So this is the Steinberg UR22C. This one has MIDI input. And if you do have an old style MIDI controller, you can plug this in and you have it ready to go. So short answer is yes. If you've got an audio interface with MIDI in, then you can use that. Keep in mind with GarageBand, doesn't have MIDI out. So if you want to send stuff back out to your keyboard, GarageBand's not your app. But other applications do support MIDI out as well. If you're using, I believe, Cubasis and maybe Aurea Pro, I believe they support MIDI out as well. Alrighty, uh, let's continue. Let's continue on. Ah, we've got. Uh I'm always interested in things like this. Ralph says, I discovered a great Australian treasure, the Hindley Street Country Club. What awesome musicians Adelaide has. Oh, there you go. I didn't know about the Hindley Street Country Club. You'll have to tell me more. Send me an email, Ralph. I'm intrigued. I'm interested to know more about that. Uh, Follow-up question here. From mixing, mastering on these devices, which apps do you recommend for better, best effects or audio units on live instruments that were recorded? So mixing and mastering. So I can tell you what I use for mixing and mastering. So I do a lot of my mixing just in GarageBand. I'm working on a track at the moment and I'm mixing it in GarageBand. I will often, to be honest, I master in GarageBand because most of my music just needs very light effects. I'm not doing a lot of heavily produced stuff. So I tend to lean on mostly reverb and delay for a lot of the, the sort of ambient sounds and then a compressor and a limiter. And I'm pretty simple. I don't use a whole lot more than that. So often I'll just master in GarageBand. If I want to go up to the next level, there's a couple of options. Uh, Clev Grand, make an app called Grand Finale, which is sort of a, actually there's three. There's Audio Master Pro, which is like a one dial, one knob, select the genre, it masters it for you. That does a great job if you want a quick and easy master. Then there's Grand Finale by Clev Grand, which is sort of next level, gives you a few more settings, still holds your hand quite a lot, still not complete control, but that gives you that next level of control. And then Final Touch by Positive Grid, who also make uh, bias effects. So Final Touch 
is kind of the the grand master of all mastering apps on iPhone. Well, actually on iPad. That's iPad only. The other two can be used on iPhone. Grand, uh, Final Touch is iPad only. Uh, so those are three options. If you, I've got a whole playlist actually. If you search Pete John's Mastering, you'll come across a bunch of videos where I show my process for master. And same with mixing. Pete John's Mixing, you'll find a bunch of videos about how I mix and master on my mobile devices. So hopefully that helps you out. Uh, and here's an answer. I should have known Sion would have some info on this. Uh, not solely, but Rihanna. Usher has used stuff from GarageBand. Madly made his bandana album on the iPad only. Yeah, so there, there is. There's a lot of artists. And again, a lot of people will use a bunch of different stuff. So they, it may be that they use a beat that was created in FL Studio and then they add in a GarageBand loop because it sounds cool with it. And then they send it to a, a mixer who's using a Pro Tools rig to mix it in. And then they send it to a mastering a suite who uses a completely, like uses outboard mastering gear. Like it's often a collaborative kind of process there. Um, Isaiah says, I'm um, trying to get back into recording after a number of years and I want to connect my old MPC 2000, a keyboard uh, and other MIDI gear. Do you know if the Scarlett 404 works since it has MIDI in and out? Yes, I, I, I would, I would imagine so. So I think, I think, yeah, we talked about that before. So I think as long as you got, uh, as long as you got the MIDI, um, on your interface, then it should be cool. It should support it and it should work with your iPhone or iPad. Definitely does for me in what I do. Uh, question. Ooh, what a, what a great harmonic sound for GarageBand. Now, is this harmonics or harmonica? <laughs> because they're similar, but very different questions. Um, so in turn, if, assuming you're meaning creating some harmonics, uh, in GarageBand, there's a couple that I lean on and I'll have to go in. I'm, I have so many plugins, which is a nice problem to have, but I have so many plugins here in my iPhone these days and my iPad, that I need to actually bring it up and remember what they're all actually called. <laughs> um, so, if you want something free that's kind of fun to play with, the Door Cassette free plugin is actually pretty cool. It gives you a bit of a like old school lo-fi cassette feel, like, again, like an old tape playing. That can be kind of cool to add in some weird kind of harmonics. What is the one I'm thinking of here? Uh, FAC, so Fred Anton Corvess makes a bunch of cool stuff. So he has Bandit, he has Evolver, and uh, Maxima and Transient. A lot of those can be good for sculpting your tone as well. Um, what was the other one that I was thinking? When you asked this question, there was one that came to my head, and now I'm not going to be able to find it or think of what it is that I use. Can't think of it off the top of my head. I think it's, it's by Clevgrand. I think it's on the iPad only. I think that's why I'm not finding it here. There's one that I was using and I've completely spaced on the name. And if someone can think of it, it's Clevgrand. It's a harmonizer saturation plugin. Yeah, go to Clevgrand and search harmonizer. It's, uh, yeah, it, it should help you out, I hope. <laughs> uh, so a question here from Gino. I'll just have a quick drink and then we'll, we'll hit this one. Question. So, Pete, you said leave the pitch control off on lead vocals to reduce latency. Do you turn it back on after recording? Yes, sometimes, maybe, is the definitive answer to this one, Gino. So, yes, I do tend to use a little bit of pitch control if it's the sort of song that will need it. So, a couple of examples here. I'm recording a song at the moment that has very, like, da, 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 da. It's just got lyrics like that. So for something like that, I'll turn on a little pitch control because if I'm just like, da, 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 like if I'm just slightly off, it'll help it. If I'm recording a client at the moment who's got a lot of natural vibrato in her voice, pitch control doesn't work on a lot of the time. So I won't use a lot. 
a lot of pitch control with something like that. So if I was like, because of the natural vibrato, pitch control doesn't do a good job. It keeps continually trying to correct the vibrato instead of just leaving that nice natural tone in there. So the, the actual thing that I do a lot of the time is here's a, here's a tip for you, bonus tip, is I'll take the original vocal, I'll duplicate it down, so the actual all the settings are going to be the same on a second track. I'll listen back to the vocal, and because GarageBand doesn't have the ability to manually auto-tune just phrases, what I'll do is I'll use the split tool, and I'll go through and I'll chop out just chunks of the vocal and put them on the second track and add pitch correction to just that second track. That way you get the best of both worlds. You get the benefit of having that natural sound with zero interference when you're hitting the notes. And if there's the occasional bum note here and there, you can just split out that section, drop it down, add the pitch control. And the beauty part is, because it's just playing, and it's all the same settings apart from that pitch control, it's going to be really smooth. You're not going to get any clicks and pops between because it's going to just play it straight through. So there you go. That's uh, everything you needed to know about uh, everything. <laughs> Clearly epic. I am Steve. That is good. A few times I've, uh, I've come on and, uh, and Steve's been watching and I'm like, I don't know if I can, uh, if I can share your secret identity, but uh, clearly epic. I am Steve. Uh, one more question, then we'll better jump back and finish up the pre previous questions. Uh, question, Grandmaster Effects, does it have an auto master option to, or is it manual mastering? Uh, so the Grand Finale, that is the one that, it does have some presets. So yes, you can start with a preset and then tweak, or just use the presets. So Grand Finale by Clef Grand, or uh, yeah, Audio Master Pro is the other one that I highly recommend. My song Imagination, if you've heard that one, uh, that was mastered with Audio Master Pro using the hip hop setting. And yeah, it just made it pop like instantly. I was so impressed. All I did was dial it in, go option two, and just all you need to do is play with the amount of limiting so that you're not completely crushing it. Dial that in, was beautiful, was perfect. Alrighty, let us uh, let us continue on here. Uh, we are already over time, aren't we? I'll do a couple more questions and then we'll finish up here because, uh, yeah, like I say, I want to try and keep these shows tight. But I love talking music so much that it, yeah, it just goes on and on. And I, I would never stop. If I didn't have other commitments, I would just sit in my audio cave here talking music all day long, which I kind of do. Question here from Serkan Poiraz says, is there a difference in sound between the two when doing a live stream? I use my audio interface for streaming live via StreamYard. However, the sound quality isn't clear enough. So this is comparing a mixer with an audio interface. Now, the, the, the thing here is it depends on the mixer. So I've used a few different mixers. I've used sort of more basic entry-level mixers. I've used middle-of-the-line mixers, and now I'm using what's considered, for a consumer grade, a high-end consumer grade mixer, which is the Zoom LiveTrack L8. Kind of went like this. The, the cheap no-name mixers did an okay job, but they did introduce a lot of noise. The preamps on those are not super quiet, and the converters on those for USB are not super good. So you do get a lower quality sound. I then moved up to a Samson mix pad, which uh, did improve things. It was still only 16-bit audio, so it wasn't as clear as what I have now. And then more recently, I'm using the Zoom LiveTrack L8. So... I went through those iterations and now I'm at the point where yeah, I like the quality of my audio. So the, the, what you're probably finding there though is if you compare a mixer and an audio interface. So this Steinberg UR22C is about a $150 mixer. You could also get like a Behringer 802 USB mixer for about the same price. But because the Behringer has to put eight different channels, all the faders, all the dials, all the compressors, all the other things that a mixer has, it does have to 
sacrifice somewhere. And it's usually on quality of the preamp and the quality of the converters. And they are two of the most important things. The preamp is what you plug your microphone into, and that's how much noise and how clear your mic signal is going to be. The converters is what converts it from an analog audio to digital audio that sends those ones and zeros to your Mac, PC, iPhone, or iPad. So they're two critical components. If you've got some cheaper gear, sometimes that's not going to be as good as the other stuff. So yes, at the entry level, if you are focused purely on sound quality, audio interface can be better because it's simpler. More of that, more of your dollars can be put into the quality. Hopefully that helps you out. Question here from Mark Buckingham says, G'day Pete, g'day Mark. Thanks for your video. Any clues on how to transfer an iMovie project from Mac to iOS? I'm cool with going the other way. For some obscure reason, iMovie projects are not syncing between all my devices. My immediate need is to edit a movie that was on a Mac on my iPad. And this is a great question. And uh, I'll, I'll finish with this one and then we'll check in with the live folks and finish up here. But I wanted to mention this because I get this question a lot. And it's the same for GarageBand, which is why it's music related as well. Unfortunately, the Mac versions of these apps will let you import your iOS versions. So here's what I think Apple thought early on. They, they had these iLife apps, so they had GarageBand and they had iMovie on the Mac. When they put them on the iPad, because originally it was only iPad and then eventually iPhone, they assumed that people would want to be shooting some video or creating some music and then go, oh, okay, now that I've played around with the toy, I'm going to send it to the real world and I'm going to edit it on my Mac. So they didn't really think that people would be going the other way so that you would want to be editing something on a Mac and then actually finish it on an iPhone or an iPad. So all of your Mac-centric apps tend to work this way around, that the iOS version is still, at least from compatibility reasons, considered the cut down version and therefore the version that won't go back the other way. So you can go from iOS with iMovie or GarageBand to your Mac. You can't go from your Mac back to iOS with either app. So what do you do? My advice for Mark here, uh, Mark, and I bet you call Bucky Mark because uh, he says, get AP. So he's in Australia, Mark Buckingham. We, we just shorten everything. I'm, I'm Johnsy. Maybe Bucky. He's like, hey, Bucky, you want to go for a beer down the pub? Uh, he's like, yeah, a Smithy and Jonesy will be there. I'm getting off track. Uh, what would you do? You would actually just render out your video file as a video and then import that into iMovie. So let's say you've done a bunch of cuts and edits. You wouldn't be able to retain all those cuts and edits, but what I would do is export it as the highest quality video file you can from your Mac and then airdrop it over to your iPhone or iPad, open that media file in iMovie and then continue your editing process. Unfortunately, it's the only way you're going to be able to get that done. But thank you for your question there. Alrighty, uh, we are going to have to finish up. If I did miss your question here and you were here live, I apologize. Please jump down to the comments of this one afterwards and drop in your question. I'll be happy to jump around and come back to that. You can also, of course, head to studiolivetoday.com. There you can find my gear guide. You can find my GarageBand FAQ. You can find my guides to iPhones and iPads. You can join the mailing list and find out about all the great communities where you can get support because I am just one person with one set of ideas. The beautiful part about this community is there are hundreds and thousands of folks who are all passionate about creating, recording and releasing music that are going to be able to help you out. Thanks again for being here. I'll see you on the next one.